Hey guys, this is Dean. I hope you're all doing well. Um, I just wanted to do a really, really fast thing about temptation because um, I don't know if this is just for anyone in particular or just uh, uh, what it is, but I just really felt it felt it strongly on my heart that I needed to say something about temptation because I feel like somebody is struggling with this and it's something that they really need to hear. And in First uh, Corinthians 10, verse 12, it says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Now again, we don't believe like Calvinists that, uh, you know, God's going to hold you up like a puppet and he's going to, like a puppet, make you make wise choices and, and you'll never do anything wrong, you'll never fall, you'll never give in to temptation and once you got your ticket stamped, you, you're on your way to heaven and nothing will ever disturb that. We believe that there is a devil. We believe that there are demonic spirits who are <clears throat> who love nothing more than to cause true believers, Christians, to stumble in their faith and to even walk away from their faith and to lose their relationship with Jesus. And uh, in verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. So we're all tempted. Every one of us. And the thing is, is sometimes we get tempted and we get condemned because we feel like, well, I'm being tempted. So that means I'm an evil person. No, what it means is there's an enemy who is planting thoughts in your mind, who is trying to get you distracted from the things of God and to be fixated on the things of the world or whatever particular lust, whatever particular thing that Satan is trying to uh, tempt you with. He will try to get you to fixate on that. Now, let me just put a disclaimer in here. Obviously, I know that Satan himself personally does not come to each one of us. But again, there is a whole host of demonic spirits, uh, spiritual powers, wicked forces of wickedness in the heavenly places and all that kind of thing. So there are untold fallen spirits that, again, their whole purpose is to disgrace the nature and character of God by causing his believers, the ones who trust in him, the ones who say that they love him more than anything else in this world, to be distracted by the things of this world and rather than serving the creator, rather than seeking the creator, whether, rather than laying down their lives a sacrifice, uh, a blessing, a, a pure and holy sacrifice unto the creator, they begin to worship and serve their creation. The things that are around them, the things that are, as Paul said, they're destined uh, to ruin and they're going to they're they're going to rust they're going to moth will eat them and and the things of this world will fade away will pass and so satan and the powers of darkness try to get you to focus on the here and the now and the satisfying your your flesh in the here and now and that instant gratification rather than saying no instead of that i'm going to lay up my treasures in heaven and again we say that we love jesus more than anything more than the things of this world more than the temptations that come across my path and things well when those thoughts pop into your mind and you give access to them and again it's not the fact that the thought pops into your mind that's sin what is sin is when you give access to those thoughts 
and you begin to dwell on those thoughts and you begin to meditate on those thoughts and you begin to think about those things instead of thinking about the things that are lovely, thinking about the things that are pure, thinking about the things that are of good repute. The Bible says whatever these things are lovely, whatever these things are of God, essentially, those are the things that we are to meditate on. And so Satan plants a seed in our minds and we begin to focus on that seed. And just like the leaven that leavens a whole lump of dough, eventually that seed begins to grow and it begins to take over and it begins to, and just see, that's what weeds do. What weeds do is, and why weeds are so insidious in your yard is because they choke out the good plants. They choke out the grass. They choke out the the, the flowers that you planted and, and they choke out the things that you put in there that you want to be in there to make your garden lovely and beautiful and productive and, and fruitful. The, what weeds do is they come in, they take the nutrients, they take the water and they choke the life out of the good plants. And so continuing on in 1 Corinthians 10, says, no temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And by the way, not only just all men, but those temptations came to Jesus himself. And in Hebrews, it says, you have not suffered to the point in shedding blood against temptation, against sin, against the world. So, and this is the problem. What happens is we, we're like, we fight when, when temptation comes to us or when things come into our mind, we, we fight them a little bit and like, oh, go away, go away. And then, we, and then we're like, and, then, and they keep coming to us like Delilah and Samson. They keep coming to us and keep wooing us and keep wooing us. And we, and we like, we, we just let them in a little closer every time and stuff to the point to where finally we're in bed with that sin. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying, I'm saying that we give into it and soon it has our heart. When the Bible tells us to fight it, when the Bible tells us to flee from it, when the Bible says to give it no place of occupation in our minds. It says, uh, again, no, no temptation has overcome you. No temptation has overtaken you, sorry, but such as is common to man. Look at this. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Now stop there. Again, we have, this is one of those scriptures that we have, um, that we have used wrongly. We stop there. We read that scripture and say, well, no temptation, uh, no temptation uh, has, um, it says, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And we, so we just naturally stop right there and we think, well, God's got this. I don't have to fight it. I don't have to do anything. I'm a Calvinist. God's just going to protect me from all temptation. He's not going to allow this temptation to overtake you. But the verse does not stop there. You have to continue to read the verse. It says, but with the temptation, God will provide a way of escape also. Do you see that? And so God always provides a way of escape for us out of temptation. The question is, do you love Jesus more or do you love that temptation more? Do we love the things of God more? Do we love the things of the spirit more? Do we want to be close? Do we want to be as close to God as a human being can possibly be? Or do we want to say, well, I've got my ticket punched. I'm going to heaven. Jesus loves me. He doesn't see my sins. He just sees the blood that covers me. And that is a snare and a trap from hell to destroy your soul. 
It says, with the temptation, God will provide a way of escape. Of escape. Do you know what that way of escape normally is? That way of escape is a thing called common sense. When Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, what does the Bible say in Genesis? He ran from her. He didn't toy with the thoughts. He didn't, he didn't think about the thoughts. And this is something that I have noticed so many times when people start kind of getting weak in their faith and they start having some doubts and they start having some questionings, Satan will bring people with those same doubts, with those same questions into their lives. And what happens instead of seeking godly advice, instead of going to people and saying, I'm weak, I need prayer, I need counsel, I need someone to stand with me, I need someone to help me through this temptation, someone to to pray with me, someone to be there for me, someone that I can be open and real and confess the things that I'm going on that will not judge me, but will pray for me and will help me see through this thing, help me keep walking through this valley of the shadow of darkness until I come to the light. Instead, what they do is they come, they, they have conversations with people that are like, yeah, you know, I don't know about this God thing. You know, I tried it and it didn't really work for me. And, and, you know, and, and I I saw that, you know, that, you know, I, I thought, you know, I was tempted and I thought God would just come in like the cavalry and just rescue me from that. But, but, you know, he didn't, you know, it's like, I found myself naked with this woman. And what happens is, again, Satan will put people into your life who will will add fuel to the fire of your doubts. Rather than, and and here is the line. This is where the line is drawn. This is where people either overcome temptation or succumb to it. Is when you make that decision right then and there, what am I going to follow right now? Am I, who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to wise counsel? Am I going to go to people who are not? Because the thing is, is all of us, sometimes we are strong in the faith, but for every one of us, there are seasons and there are times in our lives when we are weak in our faith. And it is those times when you have to go to brothers and sisters. This is why you do not forsake the fellowship of the brethren in this in this place because these people in Hebrews were being tempted to leave their faith. They were being tempted to turn back to Judaism rather than to follow the simplicity and purity of Jesus Christ. And so you get brought to this moment, this line in the sand, this defining moment that can make or break your entire life. And you say, I'm either going to choose to get wise counsel and I'm going to choose to associate and to put myself around people who will strengthen me, who will encourage me, who exhort, who will exhort me, maybe even people that will um, give me some tough love. Because they love me and because they care for me, or am I going to get around with people who just want to bring me down. People who may, and, and this is the thing, it all comes down to the love question. Again, what do you love more? 
Do you truly love Jesus Christ with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? Because this is where it's tested. This is the fire, and this is the fire that every single one of us who name the name of Christ will go through probably many times in our lives. You come to this defining point in your relationship, in your walk with God, where you have to choose. What do I love? I say that I love Jesus. I say that I've given him all of my heart. But is it true? And he, the Lord, will allow us to come to these desert situations. What happened to Jesus as soon as he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and came out of the Jordan River? Immediately, he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And these are the things that as a true believer, they make you or they break you. Because the world is filled and this generation is filled with people that talk the talk. And the world is sick to death of the talk. The world is sick to death of the false believers. The world is sick to death of those who say one thing, but everybody knows that they live another way. And then when they finally fall and they finally say, well, I tried this Jesus thing. It didn't work for me. No, it didn't work because you truly did not lay down all of your life and pick up your cross and follow Jesus Christ with all of your heart all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. Instead, there was something in you, there was something in me that wanted the world. G Judas was bought for 30 pieces of silver. What is your price? What is my price? What will you sell out to give up Jesus? Jesus laid down his life. He died on a cross. He allowed people to rip out parts of his beard, to spit on him, to mock him, to put a crown of thorns on his head, and to beat him, and to hang naked upon a cross and die for our sins. He gave up everything for us. God came down in flesh and gave everything for us. God Almighty did that for you and for me. What more could he do? There is nothing more that he could give for our souls. And yet, so many of us, we come to these little trinkets from Satan. The passing pleasures of sin that will fade away, that will burn and be gone for all of eternity. We sell our souls, just like Esau, for a, for a bowl of soup. And that is the equivalent. We read that story and we're like, oh, I would never sell my soul for a bowl of soup. I would never give up my birthright for a bowl of soup. In the grand scheme of things, anytime you give yourself over to any form of lust, any form of worldliness, any pride of life, that's exactly what you're doing. You're giving up the most precious thing that, is, that exists in all of the universe, in any universe, eternal life with Jesus Christ.
you're going to sell that out to have sex with somebody or to have a bigger bank account or to be worshipped by other people. It's time to draw a line in the sand and choose this day who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen.